at Sif Pop. We're your movie friends. But are friends really friends? If you don't know them, so grab a popcorn and head over to our row so we can chat movies like friends do. There's always room for more movie friends. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to the writer's room. Hello and welcome to the Pop Writers Room. I'm your host, Aaron, but not that Aaron, of course. And this week, I'm joined by Sif Pop writer Jack. Hello. Jack is joining uh, me this week. It's a two-person um, podcast this week. Uh, it was always kind of scheduled that way. I think I just um, kind of ran out of writers. And I was like, you know what? I really want to make sure I watch both of these movies. Yeah, for sure. So I'm just going to pick these two and we'll just be fine. Um, just the two of us. So just the two of us this week, Jack, uh, has done a lot for the site recently. Jack does most of our video games. I know not all of them cause Jacob has done a few and I was mm-hmm. really surprised when the Spider-Man two one came up and, um, your name wasn't on it. Uh, it was a bummer. It was a heartbreaker, but there's still, <laughs> uh, I mean, Mario came out the exact same day, so I wasn't True. that bummed, but yeah. yeah. But yeah. I know, like, I think maybe, I know you did the quarry. Was that the first video game review? I don't know. I, I, I remember when I first joined the website, there was like, mentions of video games as an option but um i don't know how many were, were being done before that but i don't think that we did any before like that mm-hmm. big wave and i think it's partly because like we don't get review copies and games yeah. nowadays take forever to beat so true it's mm-hmm. really hard you know by the time we can beat it and write a review it's really mm-hmm. hard to um to still be relevant so like i did i did gotham knights and yeah it was like came out like two weeks after the game came out. It's like who mm. cares about what you thought about Gotham Knights two weeks later? Anyway, yeah, I feel that there are, um, especially gotten, yeah. especially since that game just fell off the radar immediately. It's not like you know, Spider Man two th- four or five weeks later, people still talking about that game. Yeah, yeah, I mean it it, it works out still. I th- I was mainly doing that because I wasn't I haven't been watching a whole lot of movies because I was a little hands off there just with the strike and I was just starting a new job, so I wasn't very in it. So I'll be getting back into more TV and game or tv and uh movies and stuff but still be doing some games because i play those quite often cool yeah no i like having games on the site it's it's mm. just another avenue that we could explore in for sure um, i mean we have so many writers I, I feel like we should try and get as many yeah. people around as we can so when i feel like the trend is video games are just becoming shorter um either yeah. they're either they're massive you know but like assassin's creed right the new one's supposed to take only like 12 hours to beat mm-hmm. as opposed to 80 from yep. valhalla or like um you know, either your game is as big as The Witcher 3 or it's not mm-hmm. like what, the new Call of Duty is supposed to only take you like four hours to beat. Like, yeah, the campaign was people. But I mean, that game is kind of just a DLC to begin with, I think, like mm, just sad. And, yeah, because I was really excited because like people were like, hey, this second one's actually pretty good. And I'm like, the first mm-hmm. one was rebooted, was pretty good. And yeah, it was I mean, overrated, but it's good. Yeah, I, I was I was one of those people who got every Call of Duty like the the day it came out for years and years, took a couple off. but. I got the new one a couple of days ago and it's, it's fine, but I was that way that from part. world at war to the end of modern warfare three, I th- like was the last one that I like bought day one. Cause then I yeah. just realized like they go on sale super quick mm-hmm. yeah. because they For release sure. in October and then they go on sale for black Friday mm-hmm. and I can wait, especially because like, I don't care about advanced warfare, infinite yeah. warfare. So <laughs> for those, yeah. I, w- I waited even longer and then wound mm-hmm. up being like, I don't like this. And, Played it, beat it, sold it. Um, but I still yep. play them all. I think the only man is there is there one that I haven't played. I mean, Black Ops Four, I never played, but that's multiplayer only, so I wasn't going to play that anyway. Yep. Um, I mean, I haven't played Modern Warfare Three yet, but I think I've played all of them. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. even like the PS Two ones, I think I've played mm-hmm. them all. Yeah, anyway. there it definitely is a, a lot of the, the same thing, but you know, 
sometimes you just want that consistency. Yeah, I found myself actually like because of um, I beat a I was playing the Ratchet and Clank games and then I mm-hmm. was um, playing a bunch of Dead Light, Dead by Daylight and I wanted something else mm-hmm. that was like different. So I found myself like wanting to just go to a comfy first person shooter. So yep. I did Battlefield, I get instead, that. but Battlefield Call of Duty pretty similar. Yep. I get that. So I did Battlefield sure. Bad Company one, and mm-hmm. uh, and then I played Resident Evil four six times, and mm-hmm. um, you know now I've kind of working on a couple of things. We'll get there. anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll talk about video games more in just a second um, because we're actually going to do that as our intro game with Wavelengths. We're going to do video games this time to kind of mix it up a little bit. Uh, after we're done doing that, we are bringing the coming attractions back because great news. The SAG after strike is finally over as well. Uh, well, I mean, it's not officially been ratified at the time of recording this, but it's going to be mm-hmm. probably like, I see no reason why it won't. Yeah. Um, well, yo, there's a chance that happens in which case we'll stop doing this again, but at least mm-hmm. it's, it, we're in the, they need to vote on it stage. And I mean, those stranger now, things though. actors are already back on set. So we might right, as well actors do. are already back doing things. So it's one of those where it's like, it's not going to not happen, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, so we're going to bring that back. Although I, I, I do want the focus to be like, these are going to be a lot quicker moving forward. Mm-hmm. Cause just it's, it's a lot of time when we're done talking about that. We're going to cross two movies off my watch list, a ghost story and take shelter. We're going to go in that order. Um, Take Shelter is not an A24 movie, is it? It really feels like it, though. It does. Um, Because I was just like, two A24 movies, Mm -hmm. but it's not. Um, For the B-plot, Jack recommended that we talk about if um, we were going to be in an apocalyptic film or TV show, um, which one would you like to be placed in? Similar to what we talked about a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, you guys did the zombie apocalypse kind of thing. Yeah, it was where would you go for a zombie apocalypse? So similar question, but different enough. I was like, let's go for it. Mm. Um, And then we'll do the spinoff, of course. Uh, But first... Let's let's play that aforementioned game. We're going to play a video game wavelength. So the way this works, if you're new, is that Jack has come up with a number, 1 through 10, and that is his rating scale. I'm going to ask him. Now, I, normally we do genres, and so one from each genre, but I just ask him to pick five video games that he would rate the same on a scale of 1 through 10. And I have to guess um, which one it is, and I've done the same for him. Like, what his number is. So, Jack, without further ado... Um, do you want to guess first or do you want to present first? Um, I will, I think I'll, I'll go, uh, I'll present first. Okay, cool. Let's start. I'm there. ready whenever you are. All right. So the first one that I lock in pretty quickly and kind of set the tone for me is a game called Until Dawn. Are you, are you familiar there? Yeah, I played the quarry. Um, mm. I own Until Dawn because it was one that I bought like right when I got a PS5. I haven't mm. played it yet. It, yeah, that is, uh, definitely one of the horror games that, um, has kind of defined my interest in that field for a long time. Okay. So I'm excited. Yeah, for sure. I mean, very similar to the core. You you know what you're getting into there. Um, second game that came up for me is Cuphead. Okay. Wanted to get a little bit of that uh, that platformer action in there. Have you seen um, the show? I watched, I, and I was excited for the show. I watched like the first. I think I downloaded like it on Netflix. The first episode. I mean, it was fine. I, I just felt like I got what I wanted from that world from the game. Mm. So. See, I've not but, played the game yet, but I really love the show. It's cool. It just harkens to like old Looney Tunes. Yeah. It, it it almost feels like it's not really it has to be Cuphead, but it's mm. I like it. It's fun. Yeah, they, they definitely did their research for that one. Um, Let's go ahead and throw in a more recent one. I'm not, I'm not sure if you played this one or maybe we've talked about it. Cyberpunk 2077. Um, So both Cuphead and Cyberpunk. I've, actually, all three games so far I own but haven't played yet. 
Okay. Because I bought Cyberpunk like right after it came out when everybody was desperate to sell their copy. Yes. And I was like, well, it's going to be fixed. It's going <laughs> to yeah. be good eventually. So I'll buy it now. And and then I was like, I didn't have a Series X at the time. So I was like, well, I'm going to wait. And then they didn't release the Series X patch for a while. And now it's mm-hmm. just buried in my backlog and I'll get to it. Yeah. But, okay. Um. So you're at least aware of all of these ones. Let's go ahead. And the one that I, I, I talked to you about, maybe you weren't aware of. Uh, maybe a little bit more niche uh, is what remains of Edith Finch. I mean, yeah, you no, this, this is a, this is also on my backlog. I know it's yeah. um because it's been on game pass for a while and it's mm-hmm. super high rated. Um, and it's only supposed to be like a two hour game or so. It, it's pretty four cool. Tops, I, I think, yeah, yeah it, a, it definitely felt like a, a movie when I, when I ran through it. So okay. not, not too much of an investment there. Familiar with the game, but know nothing about it. And I just, I, that's kind of how I want to go into this Keep game. It that way. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. That's with that one for sure. And last one, uh, I'll go ahead and throw a way out. Um, okay. I played this one. Okay, cool. Yeah. So, so that, that two player vibe, um, kind of predates the, um, what was the platformer one that that company did that? It takes two. Game? It takes two. Exactly. Same company. This was kind of their, their first toe mm-hmm. into that world. Um, there you go. Those are my five games. What do we think? All right. Um, yeah. So you've picked games I'm all familiar with mm-hmm. four that are on my backlog and one that I have played. Let's see if, um, I remember, if, you, if I think that they are worth playing is spending on this number here. All right. So I know what remains of Edith, Edith Finch is really highly rated. So is Cuphead. Cuphead's yep. considered a classic. Um, Until Dawn. I, I, If I remember correctly, I think you wrote in your review to the quarry that you preferred Until Dawn. But mm-hmm. I know you really liked the quarry. So mm-hmm. maybe it was this is a step up or maybe it's it's just kind of the same, but it's a different setting. And for that reason, it passes. So I know we're on the liked it scale. Mm-hmm. Probably not loved it. Or if we are loved it, low side of loved it. Um, cyberpunk kind of makes me believe that you threw it in there to kind of throw me off guard. Mm-hmm. Um, or just to make a stance and say, hey, by the way, guys, this game is good. Um, you know, play it now. Because mm-hmm. um, I also had some fr- like Alex, if pop writer Alex, he was like, hey, um, yeah. he was playing it from the start. And he was like, it's buggy, but it's really good and mm-hmm. worth playing. And then I think he beat it twice and refunded it and then wound up buying it again later when you got a better mm-hmm. pc anyway um yeah, yeah. a way out i remember thinking was pretty good and pretty fun but also overrated i think like the mechanics are really cool but i think mm-hmm. the story was kind of lacking and i like the co-op aspect of kind of how you have to play with somebody yeah i mean i think you can play it solo or no i in my mind it was a, it was a purely co-op thing like i know to the point where they if you bought the game you had a code to that's give right to somebody yeah else. that's right yeah, so. you can't you can't play it by yourself. I mean, mm-hmm. at least at the time, maybe they've changed yeah. it. Maybe they patched it. But yeah, at the time you had to play it with somebody else because mm-hmm. it takes two is the same way. Yeah, you can it have not like be a the same to play that one alone. Place, I don't yeah. think I've not played that one yet. Also on my backlog. So mm-hmm. glad you glad you set a way out instead of it takes two. Yeah. Um. So I'm thinking we're like on the high side of like it, which I think is going to average out to high side of like it, low side of love. I think we're kind of bordering that. Um, which is going to lead me to believe that we're at an eight or a nine. I'm going to go ahead and say eight. So close. This is a nine yeah. for me. These are all nine okay. out of 10. Okay. These are, and I will say, if you, if you want me to take a stance on it, if any of these are to jump up to a 10 for me, it would be cyberpunk given more time. Cool. I, that, I mean, I was there day one playing it. I, I had a decent PC, um, but mainly I think I just got lucky and did not have too many glitches. There was one or two that kind of in, impacted how I was playing it, but for the most part, I got it was great. And story wise, I don't know if I've had a more impactful game um, in the past like ten years. Like it, it really, really sat with me. 
Mm-hmm. Um, they dropped an anime that I'm not an anime guy, but complimented that world in such a way that like I'm I'm genuinely like thinking about my first tattoo being a reference to to these this game and, and that world because it's very impactful. So um, l- yeah. let me ask you this. Uh, how easy are you like I've noticed based off of just seeing my letterbox curve and whatnot, like I'm relatively easy to please, you know? Yep. Um, and I was looking I use um, backlogged um, mm-hmm. to store my game files or not to store my game files, but to like it's letterbox for video games. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm kind of looking there and it's like, I, re- again, relatively easy to please. I don't really rate too much super low because I think there's at least some things to like about most things. So yeah, like how many games would you say percentile wise you would rate a 10 out of 10? Very few, uh, maybe okay. less than 10. Like I, I mean, it's like most of the games that I play a lot. I like, cause I, I do like we talked about, I think maybe before the podcast, like I'll drop a game pretty quick if I'm not interested in it. Um, but if I'm like vibing with the world, if it's like a good, like seven or eight, I'll put some hours in. But for me to actually say like, I mean, like unironically, like these, my nine out of 10, 10 out of 10 games are either like defining of like what I want in that field or sometimes even genuinely like life changing for me. Um, a lot of these games, like one that is just very much like one of my 10 out of 10 games is the wolf among us. That story mm-hmm. is just like carried with me for, for a very long time. So I, I would say I'm not like it's easy to get me up to a seven or an eight out of 10. But when for it to be I loved it to be really invested, um, pretty hard, actually. Cool. So I think I actually need to be maybe a little bit more like harsh on things because I was just taking a quick look. I'm backlogged. I have 368 games that I've rated mm-hmm. and I've rated 74 of them five stars. Now, I don't think that's a bad thing. I mean. It's better like to be more positive than to be more negative. Like, sure. If somebody tells me that they have like fifty percent of the stuff they rate out of five star, that is a much more of a green flag than somebody saying like every movie I rate is like almost always a one star or something. Like, I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty I don't do a lot of movies for five stars. I do a mm-hmm. lot of like four four and a half though, and I'm very easy to give out a three and a half too. Mm-hmm. But like, I yeah. just think all right. Like, take a look at some of these five stars, right? Like, I've got the Resident Evil Four remake. Lego Star Wars, the complete saga, Smash Ultimate, Wii Sports. Like, who's going to argue with any of those, you know? Like, yeah. I've got Shadow of Mordor, the original Dead Space, um, mm-hmm. Life is Strange, Telltale, a bunch of Telltale games, um, Wolf Among Us, I haven't played yet, but uh, I've got, like, The Walking Dead Love season Wolf one Among on Us, here. Yeah. Um, it's yeah. on my queue. I've got Tony Hawk's Pro Skater, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 2, Simpsons Hit and Run, Super Mario Bros. 3, Super mm-hmm. Mario Bros. Duck Hunt, like... I mean, yeah, you just spend so much time in a lot of these worlds that the personal connection be- can become a lot harder to like look past than in like movies sure. like, where you're just there for two hours. But if you put 20 hours into pretty much any game, like you're going to you're going to have that right. attachment to it. Well, and I've got probably someone here that maybe most people would disagree with. Again, at least kind of that next tier. But I think are like I think L.A. Noir is a criminally underrated game. So yeah, I have L.A. Noir in this tier. Mm-hmm. I have um, Rise of the Tomb Raider. The other two I have yeah. rated lower, but Rises for me worth I, I think those Tomb Raider games are pretty freaking underrated honestly I love like, all three of them but mm-hmm. Rise is the only one I give the five star to um, mm-hmm. a lot of the early Assassin's Creed games maybe people would disagree with one in Revelation but I pretty much have all the games up until then mm-hmm. um, all the Arkham games of course have to be and that really great stretch of Call of Duty from Modern Warfare World at War and um, Modern Warfare 2 um, those are all farther than that personally up until Black Ops 2, I think, is fantastic. Like, but I mean, I'm not yeah, a Black you, Ops 2 fan, but yeah, yeah I think like, you, you can 
you can take some time to find flaws in these games, but I mean, I don't know who's. Yeah. Well, and if you want to even like get into it, like I've got um, like I, I, if you want to really take a deeper dive, I've got Halo, but mm-hmm. I also rated Halo the Master Chief Collection of five. Like, yeah, so it's a duplicate, you know, and mm-hmm. um, I've got Modern Warfare, but I've also got Modern Warfare Remastered and I've got Modern Warfare 2 and I've also got Modern Warfare 2. Yeah. You know, like, I mean, there's no reason to dunk on on positivity. In my, I mean, that's a lot fair. of people put hard work into it, so. Yeah, well, and I've got like Batman, Arkham Asylum, City Night, but then I also gave five stars to Return to Arkham. So it's like, you mm. know, some of these are not. Yeah. You know, I only gave um one sports game besides Wii Sport this treatment. I guess and besides mm. Tony Hawk's Pro Skater. And that's the best baseball game there's ever been. MLB 06, the show. The first time mm. they ever did 06. Like the show. Uh, yeah, not a sports guy. So no opinion there, but I'm sure it's great. Well, that, I mean, that was also the... Like, to me, that's like the best baseball has ever been, right? Because that would have been the 2005 to 2006 season, which was the year after the White Sox won the World Series, which is just a great time for everybody. But, yeah, like, you know, who's going to argue with Life of Strange being a Life of Strange being a five out of five? Anyway, you know, the only Uncharted game I have is three as a five out of five. And you know what? I'm sticking to that. Yep. Two's overrated and three's underrated. I said what I said. (laughs) Okay. You're going to throw some games at me? Yeah, I'm going to throw some games at you. Um, obviously, um, I didn't go with a full you know, 10 out of 10. So. Yep. <clears throat> mm-hmm. um, because there's probably not many games left for me to list. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> so I tried to pick games that I think... I'll, I'm, I'm going to spoil this. We're on the good side. Mm-hmm. Um, we're on at least the I think these are worth playing side. Mm-hmm. Cool. Uh, but I wanted to pick games specifically that I think don't get enough attention. Um, so specifically games that maybe you haven't heard of. And if you're a gamer, you should really check these games out. So for the first game, I picked, um, quantum break. It's a good one. Yeah. This is a remedy games. They just like, they did Alan Wake, just did Mm -hmm. Alan Wake too. Um, gosh, I, I dig remedy games. Mm -hmm. Um, and I vibe with this game so hard. Now it does interesting things, but, um, Mm -hmm. yeah. I'm going to, I guess I'll stop talking about these games as much right now because (laughs) we can talk about it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I have Quantum Break. Mm. Um, I also have um, Call of Juarez Gunslinger. Okay, I've, I've at least heard of it. Not yeah, very familiar, like, but Call of Juarez would have was like the they did this really interesting thing where they made this Call of Juarez uh, Brothers in Blood or something like that or Bound in Blood, mm-hmm. and it was just a standard two player co op western. Mm-hmm. And then they did Call of Juarez the Cartel, which was like a modern day. DEA agent and it was like why why'd you call this Call of Juarez you know yeah. it's almost like when <laughs> Battlefield did Battlefield Hardline it's like it's mm-hmm. fine but it's not mm-hmm. Battlefield like actually yeah, Battlefield Hardline sure. is great but I love it yeah mm-hmm. but it's not Battlefield you know um sure. and then they came out with this one which is like a shell shaded like Borderlands style western like in terms gotcha. of like it's art style anyway mm-hmm. I have the Ghostbusters video game the one that came out on the 360 PS3 era cool. um so uh, and then they remastered. I haven't played the remaster yet. But. Uh, your newest release you're going to get is Ghostwire Tokyo, which came out okay. last year. Mm-hmm. Bethesda coming in there. And um, take this what it is, but I have all three of these games rated equally. So the Metro trilogy. Okay. I think they're consistent, consistent trilogy mm-hmm. in terms of their rating, you know. For sure. Yeah. I mean, I'm definitely I think I'm in the a, a similar space to where you were with mine. These games are definitely not necessarily I, I've played some of them more than others, but have heard pretty much exclusively positive things, especially that Metro um, trilogy. I feel like that is something that's just. Oh, you've not played the Metro on. games? No, I have not played them, but that's just one that like as time goes on, it's just like everybody's saying that those are those are 
some good ones. I think I think I'd go eight here. I think I think your number is eight. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. I probably gave it away. I was trying. I was talking too much, but that's fine. Uh, you know, I already <laughs> eliminated your ten, and I was mm-hmm. like, you know, I and I was like, I'm picking games that I think are good. But you know what? That's fine. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, we're just trying to highlight some good games. There's, there's no problem there. Yeah, and you know, to the degree that I enjoy them, you know, I could have mm-hmm. picked nines. I could have, I could have actually picked ten and just stumped you. True. <laughs> uh, no, I think all these games are actually like again, Call of War is Gunslinger, like. It's frequently on sale for three bucks on Xbox. It's backwards mm-hmm. compatible and it's maybe six hours and it's just fun. It's totally mm-hmm. fun. Yeah. Qu- Quantum Break is probably the highest recommend of these I've gotten. I really loved Ghostwire Tokyo. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that one everybody was talking about for a minute. Yeah, and then nobody did. Right and then I finally yeah. came to Xbox and I was like the only person playing it. I was like, guys, you really got to check this game out. <laughs> but yeah, the Metro Trilogy is... There's a Is there a new really Ghostwire coming out too? Um, I don't know, but I hope so. Okay. Um, I mean, like, it doesn't need it. Like, the story mm-hmm. for Ghostwire is, like, relatively self-contained. Like, I, I feel like it doesn't need a sequel. Um, mm-hmm. But look, I, I would certainly entertain more in that realm or in that world. Actually, yeah. like, the biggest thing for me, we were talking about this before we started recording. I'm a huge Evil Within fan. Mm-hmm. Um, Evil Within 1 and 2. I think, like, the first Evil Within is a spiritual successor to, like, Resident Evil 2, 3, and 4. Mm-hmm. Um, which is when... Um, Sorry, what's the guy's name? The director from RE4. Kojima? Uh, maybe. I'm no. not familiar. Um, it's, uh, yeah, Kojima, right? <sighs> no, he's Metal Gear Solid. He's the Metal Gear Solid guy. Mm-hmm. Um, Shinji Mikami? No idea. Uh, anyway um i think that's right anyway he um is it him or was no it was kojima wasn't it sorry it's gonna bug me now yeah no, okay <laughs> so it was all right so the guy that directed yeah. like resident evil 4 he he departed the series after that so he didn't mm. do five which is why five is such a big step down yeah um and then eventually and, he makes yeah. evil within which is to me a perfect spiritual successor to like it it really feels like resident evil but it also kind of goes back to like the early resident evil where there's like puzzle solving and whatnot mm-hmm. which is why i prefer those older ones uh and then the evil within 2 is just like one of my favorite games of all time but um gotcha. um so the ghostwire tokyo was originally supposed to be the evil within 3 and then they scrapped it and kept that base layout and did that and i'm oh. sad because i'm waiting for the evil within 3 announcement yeah <laughs> yeah so cuz that that w- those were games that were definitely too undersold Mm-hmm. And I think enough people didn't buy one, but it still managed to get two. But then two became more expensive and sold less. And it was like, uh-huh. it's like, guys, you, you got to play it now. Yeah. I bought it on clearance for like six bucks at a Best Buy. And it was the best six bucks I ever spent. Had the Mindhunter effect. Kind of. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I know video games tend to do this or mm-hmm. TV shows like become cult classics. Anyway, yep. um, let's move on. One random question. The random crush question generator popped up today. Jack, um, what book are you currently reading? Uh, right now I am reading two books. Actually, I got one on my, um, mantle here that people are familiar with. I picked up killers of the flower moon after seeing the movie, Oh, cool. um, was, was very impacted by that and heard that it was a little bit more of like a, like a strict, like factual retelling of it. So I've been having a good time there. Um, and then my, um, my favorite author, Josiah Bancroft, who's a, who's a smaller name. Um, he released a new book called The Hexologists uh, about a month ago that I've been reading a, a little bit um, about a, a husband and wife duo who are like paranormal investigators, essentially, um, and kind of got that comedic, fun, like jaunty kind of feel to it. So I have like 
one when I'm when I'm feeling down or want to want to learn and one that's just a little bit more fun if I'm feeling that way. So, yeah, yeah. One yep. that you have to pay attention to and one that you can kind of Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, you've got mm-hmm. your, you know, your PVP, mm-hmm. you know, multiplayer game and you've got your Call of Duty exactly. Battlefield. And you know? then I'm yeah. always reading a couple graphic novels at the same time, so I think right now I'm reading uh, Animal Man from Grant Morrison in the 70s, really good. Cool. Yep. Um, I promise that I didn't pick this question. It was just like the first one that came up that we haven't done, so I could plug something. But I started reading mm-hmm. Dune yesterday. Oh. Um, I started reading Dune in 2020, and I got one chapter in, and then I yeah. never picked it up again. Um, mm-hmm. because I just felt it really hard to like visualize what was going on, and so I was like, all right, maybe I'll just wait until after the first movie comes out and mm-hmm. that'll help. And um, I'm doing this thing now where I just like downloaded like Hoopla and Libby, like which you yep. can access for free. Oh, Libby's with great. A library card. Mm-hmm. And they have ebooks and um, audiobooks. So I'm currently, and this might sound totally countercultural or dumb or whatever to, to listener, but um, I'm reading Dune while listening to the audiobook to kind of help me absorb more. No, I, um, I do that. I mean, I do that sometimes. Like sometimes I'll have like it in my head for the commute to work or whatever, and then reading it physically or whatever. I get that. Sometimes, yeah. especially books like that that are a little bit more complicated, you got to like put your eyes on it and then kind of hear yeah, how it comes yeah, together. Yeah, I, yeah that but I'm also hoping like it can it can maybe increase my my reading level. You know, it can maybe just yeah. if I if I can do this more consistently, it also maybe will allow me to read a book faster because mm-hmm. there's also times where it's like I was reading on the on the car ride home last night, mm-hmm. reading with the audiobook in and and then like you see a cop on the side of the road. My wife mm-hmm. was driving, by the way, not me. Yes, yeah. <laughs> um, and reading like, and driving. so uh, so. A, cop could drove by and i picked up my head because you know i wanted to see what was going on it but like the audiobook kept going so i was mm-hmm. so it wasn't one of those like where well, where was i on the page and mm-hmm. i don't recognize any of this so might as well just start at the chapter you know whatever yep yeah no i think it's a, a good strategy actually yeah i mean mm-hmm. f- for some people in various reading levels maybe you're like me and you really want to get more into reading and that's just the best way you can and mm-hmm. i already own a lot of books so i'm just trying to like hopefully Same. this will help me plow through them because yeah, the audiobook for Dune is 21 hours. I'm currently mm-hmm. reading at 1.7 speed mm-hmm. because I have the book with me. Yeah, um, yeah. So, but I, it would take me longer than 21 hours to just just read it. Mm-hmm. Cool. Let's get back into some movies. Um, Sounds good. We're bringing back the coming attractions because the strike uh, is over. Um, again, tentatively. I'm sure by the time this episode comes out, it'll all be official and whatnot. But um, because of that, naturally, and it's award season, we're getting a lot a lot, a lot of movies that are coming out. So there are four that I think are worth talking about this week. Mm -hmm. I do want to make this segment go faster. So only briefly talking about these, we're going to talk briefly about hunger games, next goal wins, um, Thanksgiving and salt burn. Uh, Jack, where do you want to start? Let's go in that order. Uh, I like, yeah. All right. So it's, I mean, it's kind of, at least I would say most popular, or least popular. Mm -hmm. Um, So we're going to start with the hunger games, the ballad of songbirds and snakes. Um, this is that Hunger Games prequel book that came out a while ago. Uh, it's mm-hmm. a prequel to the Hunger Games. Uh, um, Coriolanus Snow mentors and develops feelings for a female twelve. It's female District Twelve tribute during the tenth Hunger Games, um, starring Rachel Zegler and um, some other people. Uh, Viola mm-hmm. Davis. Um, um, oh wow! Is that got Hunter Schaefer in there? Probably one of the yeah. names. <laughs> I was just looking this. Um, the, uh, Oh, I recognize her from Four Brothers. That's what it is. The mother from Four Brothers is in this movie, and her gotcha. last name is Flanagan. So I was like, "Is that Mike's mom?" Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, directed by Francis Lawrence. Um, couple screenplay credits. 
Uh, Jack, what do you think? How excited are you about this movie? Um, take away budget, take away schedule, take away anything that might get in your way, except for your own free will. Are you going to go check this one out in theaters? Wait till you can rent it at home. Wait till it's on a streaming service you already pay for, pay for. Wait for um, to hear how the general consensus is, or are you not interested in this movie? This one's probably going to be a streaming for me, streamer. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah, wait to get it on HBO or something. Any particular reason why? I read the books. Uh, I was around that. I was like that that ideal pocket age when it came out. So I, I read that first, not the new ones. I read that first trilogy, um, knocked it out. Thought the movies were okay. Um, kind of as it leaned away from that same way with the books for me, as it leaned away from that main concept, kind of eyes glazed over a little bit. Um, and so first movie I had some fun with. The second one was all right. And then the others, I just kind of lost passion for it. So I'm at a low for the franchise right now. It's kind of why. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. I'm in the same boat, um, but for a different reason. Um, this movie just feels, so I'm, I'm in streaming as well. Mm-hmm. I'm probably going to wind up seeing this in theaters because my wife's a big Hunger, Hunger Games fan and, you know, yep. had to buy the book day one and all that. So I'm probably going to wind up, but you know, if it's mm-hmm. just my call. Yeah, for sure. I'm probably just, I'm fi- There's other movies I'd rather see. Um, mm-hmm. and, um, it just, it just almost feels unnecessary, right? Like we had the trilogy and they already took that third book and made it too. And, I know I, I'm pretty sure the book is supposed to be just a standalone, but like there's no way they're making this movie just a one off. Right. Like I, I didn't know that it was a standalone. I kind of in my head had already filed this away with the uh, fantastic beasts. Like I'm going to be seeing these for the next several years, but you could be right. Maybe this is just the one. Well, but it's based off of one book that doesn't have a sequel and I don't think cool, it's yeah, intending to have a sequel. Mm-hmm. So like, but, but again, you got to imagine mm-hmm. they're probably going to have We'll see where the box office goes for sure with this one. Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. Um, or they're going to do other Hunger Games spinoff, which honestly like, are, is a little bit more interesting to me, like doing other Hunger Games where interesting things would have been happening, you know, and we don't know mm-hmm. the outcome in terms of like who won or whatnot. Like, I think that could be really interesting. I think I mentioned on the podcast like a year or so ago that we were we, we were like being pitched like um, um, like pitch an anthology series. And I said Hunger Games, but like just do it from all the random, you know, every yeah. You do it as a TV show and every week, you know, you just get a different Hunger Game and no no returning characters from the last week or whatever, you know. So you just get to see the games, how they evolve and whatnot, you know, because there's some fun to be had there. But this just yeah. feels unnecessary and a cash grab and it's probably going to wind up being pretty OK, but mm-hmm. I'm not going to rush to see it. I'm not super excited. So, yeah, um, and that's Same. not to say anything about the quality of the film. It's just feels unnecessary and kind of like you like if like it, to me it feels way too late and it also feels like mm-hmm. catching fire is the best book of the three for sure and mm-hmm. to me the best movie of the four and mocking jay part one and part two are fine so yeah. it's like it's definitely bloated so it's mm-hmm. again kind of like lost yeah. its steam and i mean even just of all of the characters from the original books snow was not my personal favorite so yeah, that to be the path that they explored, even with the books, just never really intrigued me. I mean, hopefully it gives some extra insight into the, why he becomes as crooked and jaded as he is. And mm-hmm. that's fine. But I don't need that story. You know, yeah, you don't um, need the villains to be kind of overexplained. I think that's kind of a we, common mistake. Not people. every franchise needs to go the explain why, how Darth Vader became Darth Vader out, you know. Um, yep. You know, we can just have Freddy Krueger be Freddy Krueger. You know, we can just have. Mm-hmm. Uh, President Snow. I mean, be sometimes President we Snow. we should just have those, or else it kind of defeats the purpose of the True. the fear. Yeah, I don't I don't need to feel bad for the villain because then I almost want to root for the villain, you know. And you're not supposed mm-hmm. to root for the villain. Yeah, he does uh, some crazy stuff. Yeah, not mm-hmm. every villain needs to be. Sometimes you just need 
like I haven't seen the movies yet, but sometimes you just need Art the Clown from Terrifier, mm-hmm. where you're just like, that's pure evil. Mm-hmm. Please, for the love of God, kill it. Yeah. Um. Anyway, um, we'll talk about next goal wins here real quick. Um, mm-hmm. New Taika Waititi movie starring uh, Michael Fassbender um, and some others. Uh, the the story of the infamously uh, terrible American Samoa soccer team known for a brutal 2001 FIFA match. They lost 31 to zero. Uh, Jack, where are you at? Same scale. Where are you at for this one? Um, this one is probably on the higher end of like streaming. Like if I were to see one of these two in theaters, I would go and see next goal wins, but still would probably catch it on a streamer. Okay. Um, I'm lower on this movie. I'm probably like, I'm going to go ahead and go in the like, wait for friends to react camp, but like more leaning towards not interested. I just think yeah. like, I'm so happy that we have a new Taika Waititi movie that's out of the MCU because, mm-hmm. um, I think Thor Ragnarok is pretty overrated um, and Thor Love and Thunder, I think, gets a little bit too much flack than it deserves. It's it's mm-hmm. by far not a great movie. I think I gave it like a two and a half, three, maybe, but it doesn't deserve your one and a half stars. No, definitely not. Um, it's not I the worst. Ragnarok. And it's not the worst Thor movie, um, you know, um, for sure. Totally I agree. like I like Ragnarok, but it's it's messy. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I honestly like I still think I feel like there's been a lot of backlash towards YTT online and I it just doesn't align with me. The main thing, honestly, that is detracting me that makes me not interested in this movie, and I only know very little, but just from the vibe I'm getting, it just feels like Ted Lasso. Like, is it like, as people or for people who know more about it, it just, it kind of seems like that same thing, except instead of, um, who is it, Sudeikis, we get Fastbender, which I guess might be a little bit of an upgrade, but. I mean, I don't, know. I don't, I don't know that. I mean, I get what you're saying, right? It's about like a bad soccer team and whatnot, but like, I don't, I don't think Fosbet. I mean, I saw the trailer before um, the holdovers this morning, and I don't, I don't necessarily think that they that Fosbender was really kind of that way. Um, that like Maybe, overly no, not, happy. No, no, no. Drama. Like, I'm not saying that he is like Ted Lasso. I'm saying like the vibe that I got was we are this like soccer coach is being sent somewhere or football coach is being sent somewhere oh, got it. that he doesn't want to go and has to like bring this team back together. No, I, I do not think that he's like that character. That would have been a way too on the nose, but I right. think it even is still too similar. Not having that exact. Uh, I think comparison. this is maybe more along the lines of, it feels like Taika Waititi wants to make his version of cool runnings, you know? Yeah. Um, either yeah. way, he's so, he, he, in general, I like his stuff. Um, mm. Obviously, what we do in the shadows is great. I really like Hunt for the Wilder People. Jojo Rabbit is his best movie. And sure, Thor Love and Thunder was a bit of a dud. And I hate that people like it almost feels like um, he's kind of got like I like I feel like people think about Taika Waititi the way that I thought about Christopher Nolan before Oppenheimer, where it's just like Tenet just kind of left a bad taste in my mouth. So I was like, mm, is he really all that good? I feel like people are that way since Thor Love and Thunder. It's like, guys, like. Let's just remember how good Jojo Rabbit is, you know? Um, yeah. I mean, but, yeah, I I think he's incredibly talented. And like even the producing stuff where he's like helping with the what we do in the shadows. And yeah, it's Reservoir arguably Dogs the best show like on that. TV like, right now. You yeah, know, I, I don't know. I think he still is very like creatively like important for, for what's going on right now. So sure. I'll check it out, but not necessarily super excited. Yeah, kind of. Kind of same, um, but I do I do want to see more of YTT outside the MC. Um, mm-hmm. We'll move on to Thanksgiving. Really, all you need to know about this is that it's the new Eli Roth movie, um, apparently starring Patrick Dempsey. So, um, Jack, same scale. Not interested. Fully not interested. Okay. Have you seen an Eli Roth movie? Um, I have not, just because the... Well, no, I've seen Hostel, and that was like, I'm good. He's just not... Him and I are not in the, the same lane of like interests. 
unfortunately. Sure. Not there. Um, I've seen, um, in, in terms of stuff he's directed, I've seen The Green Inferno and did not like that. I was mm-hmm. taken to that um, to that screening, um, which mm-hmm. I know is probably not like the best example of his work, but um, it's what I saw. Yeah. And I'm fine with, you know, if you want to call it torture board or whatnot, you know, because mm-hmm. I like the Saw movies. Um, I think that Eli Roth movies more demonstrate that than the Saw movies do, but mm. um, I'm going to go with wait and see how my friends react um, to this one or wait and see, you know, I, my, my friends, I mean, people I follow in Letterboxd. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's probably a not interested, but mm. that's, it's just kind of how I land on a lot of these like indie horror movies where it's like, Hey, like if, if somebody says it's great, like I'm going to check it out at some point. But Yeah. I mean, I've just um, even, I've, I've seen clips. I've kind of like of his other movies and it's just, I, I would have to hear this is like people say this is not an Eli Roth movie for me to really want to go for it. But sure. I, I mean, you know, it's and I'm not saying he is not talented. I'm just saying that is not where I'm aiming for with, with movies. Not interested. Um, and last one we'll talk about here is Saltburn. Um, probably wouldn't have made the list if it wasn't like getting such big waves in its pre-release in terms of like the mm-hmm. press that it's getting in terms like people are seeming to really love it. So it is. Mm-hmm hard to take that into account, but I think there's enough here that I can make my own judgment based off of that salt burn. Um, it feels like a movie that isn't quite in the public eye. So if you're listening to this podcast, it probably should be on your eye, uh, mm. your radar, especially if you care about award season stuff. So salt burn, um, a student at Oxford university finds himself drawn into the world of a charming and an, an aristocratic classmate, um, who invites him into his eccentric family, sprawling estate for a summer, never to be forgotten. Starring Barry Keoghan, Jacob Alordi, um, wow, back-to-back weeks for him. All right. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and some others, uh, th- those are the the two big stars here. Yeah. Uh, big Thing here is written and directed by Emerald Fennel. If that name sounds mm-hmm. familiar, she wrote and directed uh, Promising Young Woman. So for that reason, I'm in the theater camp, uh, camp for this. Yeah. I'm in the theater camp, which is odd because that's a movie this year that I haven't seen. I'm in the mm-hmm. see this in theaters camp strictly because I loved Promising Young Woman that much. Um, mm-hmm. I will watch whatever she does next. So um jack where do you land theaters for sure i mean mine's a little bit more two-part where like promising young woman is fantastic and definitely has me in the theater but barry keoghan might be my favorite actor working right now um so i mean i can't i can't wait to see him i really really loved him i will i mean i might be one of the only people to defend eternals i'd fight me about it i think it's fine he specifically his scenes where they really let him be himself is is great um his movie that he did with um the lobster director can't can't really place it right oh, now. But um, Killing of a sacred. Yorgos Lanthimos. Yeah, uh, I don't like that movie uh, pretty much at all. But he throughout it was just incredible on screen. Um, I I, th- I think he's like maybe the best talent coming up. So he's super I'm, I'm good in um, Banshees of Inisherin. Banshees, um, Dunkirk, anything you can think. I mean, yeah. I have not seen him miss. So. I mean, he's certainly great. I don't know that I'm quite as high on him as you. You know, if you if you ask me, like, who's the best actor working right now? Like, I'm probably going Lakeith Stanfield or um, I might throw a Michael B. Jordan in there or, uh, um, you know, one of the cliched a- 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 answers. Um, I might throw an Andrew mm-hmm. Garfield in there, you know? Yeah, I mean, um, I mean, he's great, too. But I mean, especially seeing the clips going around on TikTok of him on Broadway right mm-hmm. now, like, mm, for sure. Love that. I movie. mean, maybe maybe not. I, I don't need to compare him in terms of talent, but in terms of like my favorite, like I am very interested with what he's doing right now for sure. Yeah. 
Mm. Um, cool. That'll do it. Uh, we'll move on to talking about a shift topic. But first, get a chance to pimp your stuff, Jack. Um, people have gotten to hear some movie opinions from you. If they want to hear more, where can they find more? Uh, Twitter, Jack underscore Grimmy or Letterboxd, just Jack Grimmy. Cool. Pretty much. And as a reminder, patreon.com slash siftopwr in case you are interested in um, getting early access uh, to episodes there. Again, these are all going to be free tier. You'll get some bonus perks on some paid tiers, but um, um, in case you're like, hey, Tuesdays work better for me. Cool. They probably come out on Tuesday over there. So um, there's that. Um, let's move on to the SIF topic now. We'll start off with a ghost story. Uh, in the singular exploration of legacy lost love and in the enormity of existence, a recently deceased white-sheeted ghost returns to his suburban home to try to reconnect with his bereft wife. Starring uh, Casey Affleck and Rooney Mara, predominantly. Um, a very, like, small cast. Uh, mm-hmm. but especially because Casey, Casey Affleck spends 90% of this movie under a blank white sheet. Mm-hmm. Um, which was, this was like his first project after his Oscar-winning Manchester by the Sea, I think. So it was definitely odd mm-hmm. um so anyway uh a ghost story obvi- we'll be spoiling this movie as well as take shelter so be forewarned on that you've got your synopsis you've got your spoiler warning let's talk about our history with the movie this is a movie that um i've never seen and wasn't particularly interested because i don't like scary movies and the poster is just a dude in a white sheet and i was like <laughs> i don't i'm not interested in that and then people were talking about how good it was with the green Knight coming out, which was David Lowry's follow up um, to this movie. And, um, and then I actually kind of, I think then knew what the movie actually was and then definitely forgot it by the time I started this. Mm -hmm. Um, So I definitely bought it at some point, but um, um, even though I hated the green Knight, so um, that's my history with um, a ghost story. Um, Jack, what is yours? Uh, Yeah. I mean, I hadn't, this was my first time seeing it. Both of the movies this time around, I was kind of checking some off my list as well. This one, I just, I remember hearing some buzz about it, like the, just right after the year it came out, like that 2018, when we're talking about what our favorite movies were, and then just did not think about it at all for years. So um was happy to knock this one off the list because it, it interested me The the cast alone, those, those main two on the bill are, are great. So um was happy to see it. Um, yeah, I, I the, the title of Ghost Story suggests horror, but there's not a single horror element to this movie. How would you categorize this movie in terms of genre? And I know genre is like an arbitrary thing. I honestly, parts of this, I mean, and, and horror is kind of a weird word for me. Um, that was one thing that I thought about immediately was that this isn't, this is using this idea of the, that like ghost sheet thing that's become cliched um, and then switching the horror for kind of like the mundane horror of real life. So I, I think there is some there but maybe thriller probably more drama would just be that that category there it is almost undefinable it's a very unique movie yeah um i it feels like a gothic romance more than it does anything almost like how yeah like i think i think crimson peak is a criminally underrated underseen movie mm-hmm. sorry not underrated i think it's criminally underseen because mm-hmm. i think it was advertised as a horror movie and it's not it's a gothic romance um, yeah, it's very few horror elements to it at all. Mm-hmm. Um, there's certainly a little bit, but um, I would say the same. Like this feels like a gothic romance more than it does anything, but with a sci-fi mm-hmm. twist. Um, so yeah, yeah. on IMDb uh, real- they just have drama, fantasy, mystery, and romance. So they don't even have horror, thriller, or anything like that. So yeah, well, and I think that's I think that's right. This is certainly yeah, for sure. If you look at the title of Ghost Story and think that Aaron and Jack are talking about a, a ghost movie, like yes, but. Mm, ghost yeah. more like patrick swayze ghost than mm. you know um the conjuring so yep. um jack what do you think about this movie did you like it love it hate it dislike it or think it's just okay 
I think I'm right in liked it. Right in liked it. Okay. This is, gosh, I really wish, I watched one of these movies last night and one of these movies um, this morning, and I really wish mm-hmm. I would have watched this one last night so I could have gotten a chance to sleep on it. I think I'm right mm-hmm. where you are, where like I'm just right in like it, maybe low side of liked it. Mm-hmm. I think there's so much working for this film, but I think this is a film that like I'm desperate to like watch the audio commentary and watch interviews with David Lowry mm-hmm. talking about this movie. Like it just feels like this movie is kind of a vibe. Um, that's what yeah for sure and it has something to say and i i don't know maybe i'm an idiot because i don't quite know exactly what he's going for but i also like just finished the film Mm um you know early i i i I got to the last 15 minutes and then i had to go leave to make my screening of the holdovers then i got back and finished the last 15 minutes so it's like you know and to immediately do this podcast and Mm -hmm. i haven't really had time to process it I feel feel like there's a lot i certainly like this a lot more than the green knight and see Mm -hmm why people are excited about his filmography and whatever movie he has coming up next. And you know what, after this, sign me up, I'll forget mm-hmm. about the green Knight, or maybe I'll even give that one another chance. But, um, yeah. um, let's talk about it. What do you, what do you, what are your like first thing you want to say about this movie? I, I mean, just so when we're talking about liking it, loving it, anything like that, there are many parts of this movie I liked and there are genuinely no parts of this movie that I dis or parts of this movie that I loved. And there are no parts of this movie that I disliked. There are just some things that I was kind of okay or mad about. Like nothing really drew it back there. The main, the main power point of the main thing that I went into this movie loving was definitely the vibe. Like you said, I mean, the music is spectacular. The, the most yep. dramatic part of the movie for sure. And sometimes can feel a little bit overbearing, but not even in a bad way. Um, but the music is great. I love the aspect ratio. Like, in a way, it like genuinely made me feel like I was watching the whole movie through a window. And it, like, it was a very weird experience with the colors they used and kind of the depth that they played with. Um, I felt like I was just this outside observer and it, it put me in a really good spot for it. Um, but yeah, you, it's, it's slow. It's methodical. It, it isn't worried about over explaining anything. It just wants you to experience the world. And I think that level of creativity takes like a lot of confidence and competence, really. Yeah. I, um, yeah, that's that. Uh, so this is really interesting talking about this a couple of weeks after watching Mandy, which was a movie that I really didn't appreciate. Uh, well, I, I think I said um, it's not it's like it's a movie not for me. So I, I landed on didn't like it, but like really more accurately is it's not for me. And this is in a lot of ways very similar, but it's also so different. Um, mm-hmm. It is um, it, it. This movie is a vibe more than anything, but mm-hmm. It's it's got such little dialogue to it, and there's some shots that just linger for what feel like forever, but yeah. not in a bad way. Mm-hmm. This movie is only an hour and thirty two minutes, I think, mm-hmm. really quick total, and uh, out thirty seven tops. I don't know, but it's um, it's it's quite. It feels really fast, but it also feels really short. Like it almost feels like part of me thinks, oh, David Lowry just wanted his cinematographer to go off. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and part of me also thinks, oh, like he wanted us to feel the length of this and that's fine. Right. Like, but, mm-hmm. but part of me also thought, I think there's a really great 40 minute short in here that this was extended to an- And I'm not, yeah. I'm not saying I want this movie to be shorter, but I, but I am just thinking like, there's a lot mm-hmm. of scenes that linger forever, but I think it works in such a great way here. And I think in Mandy as well, but you gotta be in that mood and okay with that mm-hmm. vibe. And I just it's not typically my thing, but like there's, there's a scene where Rooney Mara just grief eats an entire pie. And it's maybe the best scene in the movie, but 
it takes as long as it takes for a person to eat a pie. Like, mm. um, yeah. so yeah, I, I really like the vibe of this movie. I really like, um, there's next to no dialogue and, um, and yet I think the movie is exploring a lot of things that again, I just need more time to wrestle with my, mm-hmm. my gut instinct is to say that I like this movie in concept more than execution, but I still liked mm-hmm. the movie. Like, after I saw yeah. the trailer, I was like, let's go. This looks so good. Cause I showed my wife the trailer mm. to com- see if she wanted to watch it with me. And she was like, it looks interesting, but not what I want to watch right now. And after mm-hmm. seeing the movie, I don't think she would like it because she doesn't like, you know, these long shots, mm-hmm. you know, and things being vague and whatnot, you know, so anyway, I'm yeah. not sure she would have liked it, but um, so that's why yeah. I'm like, I'm really, I'm really interested in the concept of what if you could just observe your loved ones after you die. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's a obviously yeah, or, something yeah. I think we all think about and we've or seen in film. But... Just as that idea that like we all kind of like are right, like where you yeah. are carried on by it's. I think it's definitely about like memory and um, everything like that. I that the the themes and stuff there. I think do I do still want to explore like in my head or rewatch the movie or anything like that. But that was definitely a strength too. Like I it clearly was saying something without being too preachy. Um, And I I love like this idea, like I said, like there are parts of this that are like not horrifying, but upsetting. I mean, because grief is a very like hard thing to deal with. And I love how grief is definitely that main theme there, but it plays with it in a way that like, you know, like it's, it's upsetting. It's sad. It's, it's depressing to watch her go through these moments, but it's also cathartic to see that like other people are going through this and that it is a timeless kind of thing that once, once you're gone, like things just keep going. So that it's yeah very well balances between being like depressing and optimistic in a very weird way for me yeah that's not that's kind of the best way to describe it i i know i'm just picking one word that you pick but like cathartic is kind of the right Mm -hmm. like but i totally agree with everything you just Mm -hmm. said um yeah yeah i i think just i need more time with this movie i think i i I put it right now again kind of low side to middle of liked it but this Mm -hmm. could easily be a loved it for me on a second watch um yeah or um, on one that I actually got to sit down and watch in one sitting or, mm-hmm. um, you know, any any million different things. I mean, this I, is for I sure mean, one that I'm going to be watching again. Like we said, yeah, it's a vibe movie. So sometimes when you have to take yourself out of that world and go somewhere else and come back to it, like that can disrupt the experience a little bit. So I do wonder if you're um, you would like it just with that full nonstop kind of experience there. Um, No, because I was kind of always sitting in that like. I don't think that that particularly affected it uh, because I was kind of sitting exactly where I am mm-hmm. the entire movie. Um, but who's to say? Yeah, um, I'm just saying I'm not I'm not entirely sure that's going to be the case. But either way, I'm, mm-hmm. I think watching this movie again is going to be a big help. And um, yeah. I would love to to dive into interviews or YouTube film critics like take on this Um mm-hmm. Uh, on this film or what it means or whatnot. And I th- I think the film is intentionally both, both of these movies that we're going to talk about today, I think are both intended to be open-ended choose your own meaning. Um, I think this one's a little bit more straightforward mm-hmm. um, or I guess I'm not sure that David Lowry wants you to conclude a thing about a ghost story. And I think take shelter wants you to conclude one of two things. Um, we'll talk about that. Just whichever one you pick. Yeah. But um um, but either way, I think um, um, 
I think th- I, I think this movie is one that just is un- is almost unfair to talk about within 24 hours having seen it. So um, one that I'm definitely interested in checking out again and will check out again. But um, yeah, yeah. Um, I think this be- is, because this is... of that, I really have next to nothing to say. I think that the sc- that audio and visually everything about this works really well. And mm-hmm. yes, it's a vibe movie. And I mentioned how it didn't work for me for Mandy, but like it's a different vibe and it's 30 minutes shorter. And while this movie could have been shorter, I, I never felt its length yeah. versus Mandy. I felt the length pretty much the entire time. I, I won't, I'll be honest with myself. And there, there were moments where like some of the longer scenes were maybe a second or two too long for me. Like I definitely, I, I get there. Were, it was just like, I understand why we're sitting here, but we can go on. And I think you, maybe this is saying something about like my attention span, but I do think that this would have worked potentially as a short film, or maybe kind of feels like it's one of those where it might've been a short film idea that was expanded because um, it it uses that space to just expand moments as opposed to adding more moments, um, mm. which I mean, I, I, I did enjoy it, but there were just every now and then I'd be like, I, I understand what this scene means. I, I want to see what this next kind of world we're going to explore is. So, um, I mean, aside from that, like my only big things, like I do, I think the performances are great. I mean, the only one that really like stood, I mean, they're all bit performances really. So Rooney Mara yeah. was great. I also really, he, he's labeled in the, um, on IMDb as the prognosticator is Will Oldham, the guy who's at the party who just explains oh, yeah. his idea of what I thought that was a great speech. I think he delivered it well, very interesting and, and would love to kind of dive into how that parallels with the movie a little bit more. But I, I thought that was a very entertaining moment. Um, but yeah, I mean, like you said, there's, there's not much to say. I think this is one of those movies that like, there are many people who might watch this and find like their favorite movie here. Right. Yes. Like sometimes, sometimes it's like this movie is just going to be okay for everybody or good for everybody. This is like going to be right in some people's alleys um, in a way that I love. Like I'm, I'm so glad that this is so specific in a way that some people will dive right in. Yeah. <laughs> um, IMDb rating has this at a 6.8 out of 10, which to me feels like a lot of people thought about this movie the same way that we both have. Mm-hmm. And there's been a lot of people that just immediately dismissed it. Um, and yeah. there's been a lot of people that have gone back to that second or third viewing and really appreciated again, just based off of a brief glance at the, um, uh, the, the, the reviews as well. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of people that have given it 10 and there's a lot of people that have given it one and there's a, yeah, most people land in that like six to seven range and mm-hmm. people I follow on Letterboxd like, most people are four stars or higher. There's mm-hmm. a couple that are two and a half stars and I get all of them. Like yeah. you could land anywhere on this movie and I get it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I genuinely think it's worth taking that risk again, especially a 93 minute movie. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, yeah. Was, was enough for me to say like, I'm kind of going to land in that probably three and a half, maybe four star range. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, cause again, even uh, because, but I could easily see this being a four and a half or five, Two yep. years from now, you know, for sure. Um, let's talk about Take Shelter then, unless you have anything else you wanted to say. No, I'm ready. All right. To Take Shelter. Um, again, we'll be spoiling this movie in its entirety. This is definitely one um, that you want to check out before listening to us talk about, because a ghost story is a lot of like ambiguous and whatnot. But like, you know, um, this one is as well. But you're going to want to watch this one. It's on HBO Max. Um, mm-hmm. So. Take Shelter is a Michael Shannon and Jessica Chastain um, starring um, Jeff Nichols, written and directed by um, plagued by a series of apocalyptic apocalyptic visions. A young husband and father questions whether to shelter his family from the coming storm or from himself. 
Um, I don't know that that's an accurate. I never got the ore from himself. Um, like, cause this makes it feel like that synopsis makes it feel like Amityville horror, you know, like yeah. where you're, where the dad is like, Oh, I might kill you guys. Anyway. Um, I don't know. I, I, I kind of like it and, and we'll talk about it, but there's, there's certainly some element of truth. I, I, I guess I just don't like the phrasing of that. You know, again, that to me feels like he doesn't know whether or not he's going to hurt them or anyway. Um, take shelter. Yeah. What's your history with this movie? Um, like another one I, I'd heard probably mentioned on a handful of podcasts and kind of like a small recommend almost thing where it's just, Hey, you should check this one out or watch this the other day. It's, it's worthwhile. Um, but hadn't really ever put the time in. This is my first watch, like I said. Um, but I mean, as soon as I really like looked in and, and like heard about this movie and saw those, like the top three names of the cast, like this was a must watch for me. Um, sure. three of three great, great actors. So for sure. Yeah. There probably would have been a point at time where I might have said that Michael Shannon is the best actor out there. I think, unfortunately, I think he got typecast into a villain role, but it's just because he's so good at it. Um, I, like, yeah, like, like he's just remarkable in um, like it's 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 almost easy to overlook because he was so typecast at that point. But he's so good in Shape of Water mm-hmm. um, and he's excellent in 99 Homes. Um, I, I think he's still very much in the conversation for one of the most talented people out there. Well, and especially if you want to talk about versatile, because compare his performance mm. in Shape of Water to Knives Out. Like, yeah. Uh, and yeah. you got kind of that middle ground with Kangaroo Jack, you know, like. Mm. Uh, but yeah, he had and, done yeah. he had done General Zod and mm-hmm. uh, maybe my favorite performance of his is in the night before where he plays Mr. Green, the weed dealer. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, he was like the bad guy in Premium Rush and the Iceman. And then he was Zod. And then he, mm-hmm. it just felt like he just kind of got, got he, he has that kind of evil vibe to him that, that he can. It's because he's so good. Really it's because mm-hmm. he's so good as the bad guy. He's just yeah. he's never not been great. Mm-hmm. um as the bad guy but uh even in premium rush which is a totally fine movie he's so good mm-hmm. um let's get into it um take shelter uh did you like it love it hate it dislike it or think it's just okay this one i am in the i'm, I'm liked it maybe drifting towards love yeah i'm right there i'm um border mm-hmm. border of like and love uh probably gonna officially land in like but i think by the end of our conversation there's a decent chance i'm in love to this movie Mm-hmm. Um, really, really, really liked it. So, yeah. Um, where do you want to start? I, I mean, I think we should keep right where we were at a second ago. I unironically, um, and just I'll talk more about why I think this might be my favorite Michael Shannon performance. Like the first thing I guess I'll note aside from that is this movie was genuinely terrifying to me because I know these people. Um, it's I mean maybe I've only noticed it more recently, but. This, this kind of archetype of like these middle-aged kind of guys who are falling into this idea of the world being against them. These are my family members. These are my friends, family members. Like this person exists in my real life and his performance was uncanny, otherworldly. Like the he has his moments where he explodes, but those like little like nuances, his like kind of like self-defeatist when he's getting interviewed by his doc, defeatism, when he's getting interviewed by his doctor and stuff like that, just his face at every single moment was a person that I know, like not a specific person, but many people. Um, it it made this movie terrifying for me personally. I, I don't know if that that was how it hit you, but this one worked. Um, 
No, I I definitely got that. It's a very subtle performance, and that's why like part of me mm-hmm. wants to, part of me wants to agree with you and be like, yeah, man, it's probably his best performance. But also, um, part of me is just thinking like, I I wish <laughs> not not I wish. Uh, part of me is um, part of me is like it's such a subtle performance, you know, that it's mm-hmm. it doesn't have there. There's probably a scene, probably the like fish fry scene that's like the Oscar real one. Mm-hmm. But that's not the best acted scene in this movie. It's no. just the most like noticeable one. You know, whereas no, like yeah. mm-hmm. I-, I mentioned I think he's great in Shape of Water. He's got several moments in there. 99 Homes, for sure, he's got those those scenes. Mm-hmm. Um it's it's look, I'll say this. This is probably the best acting he's ever done. It's it's mm-hmm. maybe not my favorite role, like my favorite performance of his, because he's just so good in knives out, you know. Mm-hmm. Have some more cookies, you like it's just yeah, it's just perfect. Um, I mean, like I said, like it's so scary to me that like I definitely would rather watch him in Knives Out because this is like <laughs> too close to home. Seeing him do this, like he just—I mean, sure, you killed sure. it. Please leave me alone. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I understand what you're saying, and I agree with it. Again, technically, this might be his best performance, um, mm. and I wouldn't—I certainly wouldn't argue if somebody wanted to say that this is his best or this is my favorite he's done. Yeah. Um, He's remarkable. And let's also talk about Jessica Chastain because she has she ever not been great in the movie? Not that I can not not thinking of right away. Absolutely not. I mean, like she's so good at everything in right. So like Interstellar, Zero Mm. Dark Thirty. I haven't seen, but I know Suspiria, obviously her um, Oscar winning role in Eyes of Tammy Faye. Mm hmm. Let me be honest. Um, she was totally snubbed for not even a nomination for for Molly's game because that was my favorite performance of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, again, Crimson Peak, The Martian. Um, I mean, she's probably one of the greats. Like maybe a Mount Rushmore talent, kind of. Kind of. I mean, from yeah, she's like she she is top S tier female actress is, is female actress for me um, or just actors in general, you know, she's yeah, S tier for sure. Um, even like the first time I ever saw her lawless, like she's so good. in mm-hmm. in that movie that is, yeah. I want to like so much and I do like, but I want it to be better. And again, I want like it to I live said, up to its promise. <laughs> everything I said for him goes exactly for her as well. Like these, she's playing a person that I know watching her go through some of these situations or having to deal with this person in her life who's kind of like breaking her heart um and it's out of both of their controls in a way i'm thinking about people i know in my life and it's it's why this movie really impacted me um because they understood exactly what those roles meant um for the movie and and both of them just knocked it out of the park i mean yeah i was every moment with them together separate anything they were just great yeah, that's, that's the other thing is they worked really well together. Like you could tell, like there's just something about them that made them feel like a, like a couple that has been there for a while. And mm-hmm. you can tell they haven't had the spark for a while. Like, that's kind of why I think she's planning on the beach trip. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, things are just kind of like going mm-hmm. um, and they're going fine. Um, but yeah, like they just, they, they work so naturally together. Like, mm-hmm. um, they just they feel like a like a married couple in Ohio, um, yep. you know, and um, yeah, I, I live in Ohio. So like I like I said, this movie was already hitting close to home. And then they're like, let's go to Columbus. Let's go to Canton. I'm like, oh, my God, this <laughs> I is thought unreal. it was going to be like a vague defined. And I was like, I could think, yo, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I've I've been to Ohio a few times, but I've been to like Toledo, not like Cincinnati, mm-hmm. not like, you know, rural Ohio. But I was like, yeah, this almost felt like more like Wyoming or Oklahoma to me. But. I don't, Man, I, don't I know. Dude, just they, landscapes. A, I don't know uh, if who's the director again. I like. I don't know if he lived Jeff in this Nichols. kind of this 
in Ohio, that Northern Kentucky area, this is a thing that is running through all of like the dads, like fathers are being taken by this kind of vibe for sure. Uh, born in Arkansas. Okay. I, um, I, he, he did his research then because cool. He, yeah, it's great. I mean, they're all great. And again, I mentioned that the top three were kind of the ones that attracted me. Shea Wiggum, not necessarily yeah. a career best, but he's one of those guys. He's just one of those guys. You see him, you're happy he's here. Everything. Yeah, he's he's good at everything he's in. Mm. Um, so entertaining and, and his his performance when he got the his moments too, like were just equally heartbreaking. Like just a, a guy who is so willing to help his friend and is just getting screwed over anyways is so sad. Um and I mean, yeah, just watching him uh Shannon like have his life just get torn apart by this paranoia. Um, almost being this self-fulfilling prophecy of him like fearing what's going on with his mom and stuff like that is is tragic and all of the people who are impacted by it his family his friends everything like that they sell those those heartbreaking moments so well there's all right there's a there's a there's a certain familiarity to the shea wiggum character Mm -hmm. that I think is going to frame how I construct the ending, um, which we'll get to the ending in a minute. I do want to talk about Mm -hmm. two other things before, Um, but the Shea Wiggum character feels a lot like the, Oh, I'm going to blank the, um, the, the best friend in the Truman show. What's, what's that actor's name? Um, I mean, I've seen the Truman show, but I do not know. uh, He was on the Americans as the FBI agent neighbor. Um, Mm. This is Noah Emmerich. I always yeah. forget this guy's name, but he's like mm-hmm. the perfect, like that guy. He again, just like Shea Wiggum, he shows up mm-hmm. and you're so happy he's there. He, yeah. f- he feels just like um, the Shea Wiggum character does in take shelter because there's that moment where um, it's one of the first scenes in the movie where he's just like, you got a good life. Like, and he's like, and you know, you got it because like other people look at it and it tells you like, it feels very reminiscent of one of those early Truman show scenes where they're mm-hmm. drinking beers out by the broke the destructed bridge you know mm-hmm. so um it's it was just really reminiscent of that and it it worked really well um but shea wiggum mm-hmm. also he looks like a guy that you don't want to get mad and he's gonna yeah. snap and he does snap and mm-hmm. um i, mean, I want to I mention yeah. two things before we get to the ending and that's just that um uh this movie is remarkably shot i mean both movies that we talked about this week are just gorgeous cinema uh cinematography um mm-hmm. this movie lingers but i but like doesn't linger anywhere near the the no as much yeah. as a ghost story does but this mm-hmm. movie definitely takes its time on shots and i think it's all deliberate and intentional i think it's edited matt like perfectly yeah um Worked very everything well from a visual perspective i mean even like everything even about like set design right this house is old and run down and way out of style mm-hmm. but like when you take into account where they're at who cares Mm-hmm. and their occupations like it's clear they're not remodeling and or doing mm-hmm. anything like that you know even though he works in construction and probably could easily you know like 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 it just feels um everything about it feels so intentional what like yep. the energy of this movie is going for and Very secondly real. is the sound because there are a lot of just blank moments i think the mm-hmm. sound <clears throat> and it, for such a simple score was so effective and mm-hmm. um just really, really brought me into that world. And I, um, I, I just loved watching this movie. Um, mm-hmm. I, I want to get to one other thing before the ending. Do you have anything else you want to get to until we just get to how do you interpret this film? Yeah. I mean, no, the, the ending is the big thing okay. that is holding me back from loving it. So I'd love to talk about it. 
The other thing that I want to mention before we get there, and this is partly a trigger warning, but it's also partly just to testify like experience. Um, If you suffer from bad anxiety, if watching Whiplash stresses you out, whatever you need to do to watch Whiplash, do to watch this movie as well. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I watched this movie and was prepared for what it might do, but legitimately think I might have had a panic attack 90 minutes in the I don't really know because I'm not diagnosed with anything and who am I to say what experiences or whatnot. But like, it was really hard for me to breathe. And like I paused, I stood up. I was also like, I worked a really exhausting shift of the day before and I didn't sleep super well. So it's part probably more so Mm -hmm. that, but like it was, um, whatever, if you have triggers with anxiety, depression, stuff like that, like whatever you need to do to get in the headspace to watch this movie before is highly recommended because this is only going to heighten that. I agree. It's intense. Like I said, like this hit so close to home to me that parts of it were genuinely like terrifying, like very like upsetting. So, yeah. Mm. Well, there There's, was, it was the, I think it it happened right after, uh, right after he gets fired and she just mm-hmm. slaps him and walk away. And it was just like, that was kind of about the point that I paused the movie to go to the bathroom and mm-hmm. um, uh, check up on my wife and whatnot. And it was just mm-hmm. like, I was like, Oh, all of a sudden I feel very strange. Anyway, mm-hmm. um, and I th- I think it's a testament. The movie is just kind of meant to feel that way. And um, yeah. oh yeah. So anyway, there's that. Let's talk about the ending. Um, so the he spends this whole movie building the shelter. It feels kind of like a Noah's Ark kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and everything good and bad has happened. And all of a sudden, they're woken up by alarms in the middle of the night. Mm-hmm. And they have to go down to the shelter. And there's there's this really great scene of Jessica Chastain telling him, "You mm-hmm. have to open it because you know." You need to see that this is, you know, you overcoming your paranoia yep. in this particular situation. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, like, there was a legitimate threat, right? The sirens were going off. Anyway, so. Mm-hmm. And then they go to the beach and there's a storm coming at the beach. And there's just kind of a nod and the movie cuts to black. So yep. what is your interpretation of the end? I I mean, there are three ways that, that I see this movie. And like I said, the, the ending... Just based on how real this is to me, the, me picturing people I know watching this and kind of um, connecting with their lives and how they might be have the same paranoia. To me, the ending, the, the clearest thing right away was, hey, your fears might be real. They might be confirmed. They could be genuine things to be worried about. And that is not necessarily my full understanding of what that means. But that was the first thing that that on surface, I feel like that's what it might be read as. Very simply, um, this, this, it's literally saying the storm is real um, in, in many ways. So mm-hmm. that's one way that I read it. I can also, I twisted it a little bit more in my brain to make myself like it a little bit more um, in a couple ways. One, there's this idea of maybe that his his weight, his, his mental illness, his problems have been um, that weight has been spread across his family. And so there might be some affirmation there where now everybody can work together to handle it. But I don't love that really because it it doesn't work for the theme or the message for me or the analogy where like, is it real or is it not real? Um, That kind of didn't work with my brain. Or maybe is it saying that the daughter is because the daughter is the first person who sees the storm coming. She says storm. She she signs it in in ASL. Is it Mm -hmm. saying that she's already has what he has? Right. And she's already has like has these concerns and like the mother apparently passed the problems on to to him. And now as he already passed it on and she's too far gone. I don't know what this movie's saying, but those are the three ways that the ending could work in my brain. 
Mm. See, I interpreted this movie for the ending to be metaphorical, but I think there's enough that you have to take literally. Um, I mean, that's the problem, man. Right. I think I think the movie is I think the movie is deliberately trying to give evidence to both. It's trying to be like the ending of Inception, where 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 you're supposed to question, "Am I still in the dream world or not?" And, you know, now that we've got ten years to process Inception, ten more plus years, you know, I think most people have kind of felt where they landed and can make different arguments based off of whatnot. And I you know, just I've heard a million theories on Inception mm-hmm. that I agree with, and I feel like if this movie would have taken off we'd kind of be in the same kind of camp because i i never heard of this movie and i um you know i think it's i think ormsby mentioned it on sif pop which is the first time i heard of it and i just heard it was also like one of the like this movie has a reputation of being full of anxiety and an ending that you just want to talk about with somebody so Mm -hmm. um but i interpret this movie we see this movie almost entirely from the lens of michael shannon's um Mm -hmm. curtis character so I think we like, and it's clear that we see the things that he sees that nobody else can. So mm-hmm. yeah, for sure. It It's clear that there was a storm, right? Yes. When they went down to the shelter because the sirens were going off and everybody heard it and everybody was looking and it's clear that the storm had passed, you mm-hmm. know, um, but we don't, we don't really see the rest of the town's reaction, well, you know, I guess even there's a distinction because for me, the only, conf- the only part that in my head was a gray area was the beach. Like, I feel like what happens in the shelter is really cut and dry, at least the way I am yeah. interpreting that. No, no, I'm, ta- I'm talking about, I think the beach is the metaphor. Yeah, um, exactly. I, I think for sure there was a storm. We, yes. we went down there. It just wasn't as bad as he thought it was going to be. And Jessica Chastain had to help him understand that it's, the storm doesn't mean the world's over for sure. I, I see this movie as um, the, the way that the message that the movie is trying to say at the end, I see Jessica Chastain's nod as a continuation of the conversation that they have when he gets fired, um, mm. which is uh, which, or maybe it's like right before he gets fired or I think it's, I think it's after, um, but it's where she walks up and she realizes like, I tried to touch your hand earlier today. I was in your dream. And he says, yes. Mm. And he says like, are you going to leave me? And she says, are you fine with me still being around? Mm. And like that, like that's kind of where the conversation ends. I see, her nod at the end being a continuation of that conversation from the other end. Essentially, that nod is her is everybody realizing he he's officially broke. He is full on paranoid schizophrenic. And her nodding is her way of saying, I'm not going to do what your brother did to your dad when you were 10 years old um, and just shove you away in a loony bin or whatever. Like, I, I feel like that's her saying, even if he needs to go get help, like she's along for the ride. She's saying it's like, it's all good. Like we're, we're, we're going to fight this storm together um, is the way yeah. I interpret that. Now there's enough visual clues going on that I think you could interpret the ending as being um, literal. And I think that that works, right? Like yeah. there, like there's the oil on the little, on the daughter's hand, you know, like yeah. there's enough going on that I think you could logically make the, de- and I'm not even necessarily saying both can't be true, but here's um, my problem. Here's why, that the the literal interpretation of the movie makes me not like that ending it's because you and again like i know these people if i am picturing one of these men in my mind watching this movie they watch this entire thing and it's it's telling them that hey your paranoia your fears are you thinking the world is against you and that's not the case but the end of the movie is saying the storm is real and 
there are metaphors that you can read into, but sure. those might not be the type of people who are going to look for those deeper ideas. They're going to be very like surface level, like, Hey, you're right. I have to put my family in that bunker. Like that's what I, I feel like it's, it's a very strong word and I don't fully mean it, but it's almost irresponsible to let, to target this group of people who their entire thing is, I feel like the world is against me and I don't know how to escape that. And mm-hmm. then leave the movie saying, you could be right. The world might be against you um, because that will just further alienate. Even if there are threats in the world, we still want these kind of people to understand that not everybody's your, like you have to know who is not the threat. And this movie does not do that for me. This movie says, hey, I don't know, man, there there could be a storm. Your dreams could be correct. Like maybe you should have sold your dog. Maybe um, you should have not let your family leave the bunker because if you were still in the bunker now, that storm that you're experiencing on the beach is not going to be a problem because the bunker is always safe, right? And that is like genuinely upset me for the movie, um, why it took me down quite a bit. I was going in to love it. Um, and then it, we got that ambiguous ending and I'm like, this is not the time in my opinion because the people I know who are that Michael Shannon character, um, ambiguousness is not the way forward, in my opinion. I I wish this movie would have taken a stance one way or the other, but I think I would have... And man, see, he, seeing Reddit threads about the ending of this movie, um, I I would be much more... I would be much lower on the movie if the end was literal. If yeah, I believe no. the end to be... Or, sorry, if I believed... If the movie was intentionally making a literal end. Yes. Um, now, the movie is making an ambiguous end, which means I'm kind of in the middle, but I think I'm more in the loved it camp because like, I think I'm a little bit closer to the loved it camp because I lean metaphor. If the movie would have been clearer, I might definitely be in loved it. Um, but I just wonder, yeah, like, I, 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 oh, I disagree the- thinking that it should be one way or the other. I kind of like the ambiguous ending, but I'm not sure how, how healthy that is. I think there are too many details in that final scene saying that the ending is factual. The, the daughter paralleling that moment at the beginning where she's looking outside and seeing a storm and learning what that signal is for storm, her being the one to point it out to him. He's not saying, hey, look, there's mm-hmm. this storm we got to be worried about. His daughter says, hey, there is this storm. So at that point, it's telling me, oh, we are not necessarily only in his perspective, right? It's telling me, hey, the daughter sees something to be worried about. And then um, Jessica Chastain, her nod, it seems like, hey, it, it's time. Like, you're you're right. We got to we gotta buckle down. And they like kind of seems like they're getting up. They're leaving. They're getting safe, which you should do if there's a storm. But again, when when the metaphor, this is encompassing this larger idea, this larger problem that I think is really dangerous within our society, um, leaving it, I think there are more, in my opinion, there are more tangible evidence of this being the actual physical ending. Um, and I think that is bad. I, 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 w- I want to show this to people in my life who are experiencing this and stop the movie after after that bunker scene. Like because you don't want to give what, them confirmation that the crazy thing they're doing is right. I mean, exactly. Like, because even again, if there is a issue, there's, it's never just you. And I think th- these type of men are very much in that camp where it's me, maybe my daughter and my wife, or we'll, we'll see. Maybe she's the threat. Maybe she's also in my dream. Um, I just think that it is it is this fringe part of society that is already so alienated to give them this ammo is is just dangerous. Mm. Honestly. I mean again, I'm not joking, Aaron. This is this touches home for me very, very like I watched this movie and I was thinking about so many people I know. Like this is very real. So 
That's why, I mean, I'm passionate about it. And I love this movie going into that scene. And I'm like, why would you do that? Come on, man. My, I can think of like my family watching this and, and getting the wrong message or anything like that. So that's yeah, why. no, I definitely had that like thought that was like, if somebody who was going through a current and this movie was made long before anybody knew anything about whatever pandemic or mm-hmm. whatever politics would turn into or whatnot, you know, like this was well in this was just when I mean, I'm not saying it was an easy time, you know, like, mm-hmm. um, but it was certainly a lot less vicious, like you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, no, I I definitely think <clears throat> showing this to somebody now and somebody with what's what somebody might call crazy mm-hmm. ideas like you're watching the movie the whole time and I'm I'm actively rooting against Curtis you know I'm yeah like absolutely. like like it's heartbreaking like not just the scene where he gets rid of his dog which like mm-hmm. already break, breaks my heart yeah uh, but like the scene where he goes and he takes out the extra on the mortgage of his house like like mm-hmm. you're just rooting that you're like don't do this man don't do this so yeah you're right like if the movie if, if he is justified in the end then it's a dangerous message. And it's, that's it's also, just, that's also yeah. why I choose to believe that the ending is a metaphor because I can't believe that it's literal. That's too, I mean, too dangerous a path. Yeah. And I just think that some people don't get to make that choice. Like, I mean, I've, there are people, I mean, just, I think your average movie you go where themes aren't the up, like one of those main things they're thinking about. If I'm being honest with like, I think that there's a lot of like very physical interpretations that, that people end up having, especially sure. this group of people that we're, that we're addressing here. Um, their kind of mindset is already kind of looking for threats. I walk into this room and I look for the exit. I look for the people who are going to hurt me and how I could potentially protect myself and my family. Um, so when they're looking for evidence, they're not looking for things that might prove the ev- the ending wrong. They're looking for, hey, what's going to support my my worldview? So, I mean, I, dude, I was loving this movie and I was tremendously disappointed with the ending. Okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, boy. I would love to continue this conversation with people that are watching it. How do you interpret the ending? Um, do you see it Absolutely. as 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 one of the three options Jack listed? Do you see it as something different? Is there something we're missing? Is there mm-hmm. um, is there an interview that Jeff Nichols has come out and said something about? Like I I'm I think this again. This is a movie that if it would have gotten more mm-hmm. traction, um, I think we'd still be talking about. Um, yeah. a lot more in public consciousness. I think I think we I think it's gotten more with 108,000 letterbox logs. Like yeah. I'm I'm not sure when they made this movie they thought that would ever be mm-hmm. attainable, but um yeah, no again, especially while it's on Max, check it out and join in on the conversation. Um I would love to know um yeah, what 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 message there is in what For message sure. you take away? Because there's, I, I feel like a bunch that you could take mm-hmm. <laughs> as we've discussed. So, um, yeah. do you have anything else that you would like to uh, say about this film before we move on? No, I, I mean, I, I had a great time with it up until literally the last five minutes. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I think you're right. I don't like, I don't like the ending being ambiguous, but I prefer it over the ending being literal. <laughs> mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah. I almost think the Yeah. Uh, I, I'm kind of with you. I think almost the movie is better if it ends. I still don't lo- I like, I don't love the ending. If it ends with the scene of them leaving the bunker where she's like, you have to open it because like that, it doesn't justify him building the shelter or anything, you know, it's yeah. Well, I also, the ending, I also think, yeah, I feel I, like I it, think, go ahead. Know. No, I was just gonna say, I feel like the ending is it, as if when he opened the bunker with a key and it like, there's the white screen. Yeah. It feels like if it just ended there, like that's what this ending 
there's an extra like 10 minutes, but it's like, what if we don't know what was outside of the bunker? That's what the ending was anyways. So. That's still, yeah. Cause that's still ambiguous because how big was that storm? You know, did it knock their yeah. house out? Like, like, mm-hmm. like if it knocked their house down and you know, everything and the emerges and okay, cool. Well, building the bunker wasn't so crazy. Um, or, you know, but yeah, like again, I don't know. Or I, if I, everything is either way, I just, like, something should have changed for me. I, I agree. Like if you end it where it kind of cuts to white, like, or fades to white, like, I'm not sure that I love that ending, but I like that ending. I think a little bit more than the uh, well, extra. I guess what I was saying was that feels like this almost very close to the same thing for me. Like if they did that, um, I think him walking out and, and stepping out into that fresh air and seeing that, yes, People have been hurt, but we're, we're coming together to like rebuild. We're all right. The people weren't the enemy like this situation was. I think that yeah. might have been a better ending showing us. like, sure. OK, there was a storm, but you are not against it. Everything on your own would be decent. Hmm. Yeah. The other thing I thought about was um, and just just kind of coming back to me. But the mm. um, the idea like I, th- I think part of the other reason why I think this movie is maybe more of a metaphor is because he he has mentioned he is 35 uh, or he's in his mid 30s and his mom was that age when she had to be taken to a psychiatric ward yeah. for the, the condition that he is so afraid of having, mm-hmm. um, you know, and to the point there's even shoot what might be the best scene in the movie is where he shows up to the counselor's office and there's a new one and he's mm-hmm. just like, all right, let's give this a shot. And he's like, yeah they're starting from ground zero again. He's like, this isn't worth my time. Like, and he mm-hmm. gets up and like, it's yep. so fresh. It was so frustrating to watch that scene. Cause I think we've all been in situations like that where it's like, mm-hmm. Oh crap. Like we don't have time to start again from ground zero, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, um, anyway, the, um, but him, I think it's, I think the movie works as a metaphor because it's him kind of knowing what happened to his mom and not wanting his daughter to go through the same thing that he went through as a kid. Mm-hmm. And, and so at the very least, if he could, as long as he can protect his family from this physical storm and the mental, you know, I think like he can take solace knowing that he built the shelter for, for, for mm-hmm. his wife and child to be but, safe if he can't mm-hmm. live with them anymore. You know, like, I think that's another like element I mean, to why. I, yeah. I would say that his fear of becoming like his mom is kind of the self-fulfilling prophecy that made him become not necessarily, but him kind of feeling those fears and thinking about that might have sure. kind of exacerbated the process even so i think it's well, again because the movie is the movie is not the movie's not taking a stance saying he has paranoid sch- yeah. schizophrenia i think you can watch the movie and say he's fine he's just scared of becoming that and so he's looking mm-hmm. at these delusions and interpreting them as symptoms of paranoid anyway yeah we, I, we're just treading old ground here <laughs> i i love it just be careful think critically yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, let's take on that note. Let's go to the B plot. Um, we're going to talk about, um, apocalyptic film, TV show, video game, whatever setting you want. Mm-hmm. Um, which one would you like to be placed in? Uh, if you have a question that you want us to answer on the show, then you can send it in, um, anywhere, Twitter, um, uh, email, whatnot, but that's what we're going to talk about today. So Jack, um, I've already gotten a chance to kind of answer this because this was zombie apocalypse setting. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a very, I think, different answer, mm-hmm. a very similar, but very different answer um, this time um, than I do that one. So mm-hmm. um, why don't you kick us off? Why don't you give us I have like four um, four options that I'd like to be placed in. So let's hear your first option. Or I mean, if you if you have only one option, that's fine. But I got I wanna... two. I got I got at least okay. two. Got a third that I might even throw. But um, okay. so me in this situation, <clears throat> I am 
going into an apocalypse, very confident in myself that I will not make it long. Um, okay. So for me, it's kind of like, a, hey, is, is my death going to be meaningful? Is it going to be interesting? I mean, how is it going down? What's going on? So the the first one that came to mind and might be incredibly counterintuitive for some people um, is Cabin in the Woods. This idea of like not knowing what you're going to get, keeping you on your toes, um, and but still you know, my death being meaningful and potentially saving the world, you know, and there's a cha- chance I escaped. Like we, we, ha- we had that opportunity, but for the most part, like I want to see just some cool monsters. Like I hope I get like impaled by a unicorn or something. I don't want it just to be zombies or if I get one of the boring ones, I'll be upset. But this idea of such a variety is, is intri- intriguing to me. I'm a big fan of that cabin in the woods answer. I thought about it. Mm-hmm. I didn't see it from the angle because I think you and I are going to like approach this question. Similarly, um, I'm not expecting to live long. Absolutely. Um, not. So Folding for that reason, I love the cabin in the woods answer because it's like, at least my death can mean something, you yeah, know? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm a big fan of that answer. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I guess it kind of, the movie says that maybe your, your death is just contributing to a horrible cycle of more people dying, but also, I don't want that big God coming out of the ground. So it's not well, if really the big, big God comes out of the ground. Literally every, the whole world yeah, gets exactly. ripped in half, you know, so, versus maybe, if um, <laughs> four teenagers die every year. You exactly. Know, can... I, I think we're taking the, the opposite kind of path of the main characters, but you know. Yeah. Yeah. We, we're kind of, yeah. Well, I mean, I guess it's your, all right. So I think, I think the way I view this could be summed up in a question, in a hypothetical question I've been asking my coworkers this week. And Jack, I'm going to ask you, I should have just used this as a random question in the beginning, but I came across this TikTok and this guy asked this question. I think it's a fascinating question, mm-hmm. but he says, if you're put in an arena with a spawn point, 15 feet of 15 feet ahead of you and every 60 seconds, 12 year old, you comes out with the sole purpose to try to kill you mm-hmm. every 60 seconds. doesn't matter if you defeat them in 10 seconds, they, you know, you get 50 seconds to cool down if you do whatever. You just have to immobilize them. Their sole purpose is to kill you. There's no weapons. Yeah. There's no nothing. How many 12-year-olds you could you take out before you finally die? Man, I, like I said, I'm not very confident in myself right now, but I've done a lot of growth. Those 12-year-olds are folding pretty. Like, I can go for a minute. I think it's more like I'll get tired before I get overwhelmed necessarily. Sure. So, I mean, I'm probably a one punch and I'm good. So it's so, just like a, is my hand breaking? Sure. Sure. Yeah. I, my fate, by the way, I saw that on a TikTok, and my favorite comment was, well, 12 year old me was in the middle of chemotherapy, so I'll <laughs> fill the arena. And I was like, exactly. Oh my God. Jeez. <laughs> um, my, yeah, my I'll... favorite answer from a coworker was, um, I don't know. I'm bad at math. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, my answer is, is half jokingly, but half true is, um, uh, zero because I'm a pacifist. Yeah. Um, but like, mm. really it's be- like my answer is zero because the futility of trying to survive, right? Like it's an endless, there is no, like, like I said, what's the point of giving, t- getting to level 80 in a video game. If there is no end of the level, uh, end of the game, right? Like, um, what's the point in getting to level 360? If there is no end, you know, it, it doesn't mean anything different than if you just died at level one. Right. I feel it's like, almost you gotta, like, um, you got to knock out at least one to prove that you've grown. To prove that you're, I mean, you're better sure, than you maybe, were. but Full, like, yeah, knock one, then let him get you. Uh, but yeah, it was that like, I, I was watching a, a Mr. V's video yesterday and it was, uh, it's about a month old now, but it was this guy who was like, Hey, complete this obstacle and I'll give you a hundred thousand dollars and complete the next one. I'll give you another hundred thousand dollars, but you don't have to do it. And you can just walk away now. And if you lose, you lose it all anyway. And the guy was talking like he, he almost fails at one objective. And he's like, if you'd have failed then, would it have been worse than just failing at level one? And he's just like, probably like, mm-hmm. because <laughs> 
like anyway so like that's kind of, that's kind of the way i view that so like sure maybe the one just to kind of see if you could but like the futility in trying to do it sure i maybe could go 10 or 20 i don't know maybe i couldn't but i don't really want to you know so in answering the question of how of what apocalypse look i'm going for either what is going to be the most immediate or certain death that certainly isn't going to take long or hurt uh, mm-hmm. so um and i'm just going and i'm just along for the ride until there's the slightest bit of adversity and i'm like mm-hmm. all right cool this is where i depart so um so my first answer was zombie land and so yeah. my answer to the zombie apocalypse one was just in term was in terms of like look it's coming eventually so let's hang out like i think hanging out at the mall sounds fun right because you can for at sure. least have a little bit of fun before you die right and those zombie movies don't necessarily always have a definitively this is going to end so mm-hmm. i'm thinking bigger scope right like if we're talking post-apocalyptic or apocalyptic like we're th- i'm thinking mad max i'm thinking book of eli i'm thinking oh, yeah. fallout video games i'm thinking to me i'm more thinking the chances like like one percent of the world's population is still alive so mm-hmm. um so i'm just hoping i die um quickly whatever's going to be quickest and whatever's going to allow me to have some fun along the way so why not get a small group of people that you're traveling in a car with and mm-hmm. wrecking uh a shop along the way just because it's fun mm-hmm. um you know like they do at the casino one in yeah. the first zombie land um you know going to the amusement park because why not you know uh, the only thing that's bad about the situation is that you just don't you don't die quick yeah necessarily um so i also i also wrote dawn of the dead again because why not again just go to the shopping mall hang out have some fun play some video games and eventually mm-hmm. when they come all right that's it mm-hmm. um just just make it quick you know um i have another answer um and that is uh along the same lines um actually th- these other two are along the same lines but also different right um my other answer is uh the terminator um mm. Like the future of Judgment Day has happened because if I survive Judgment Day and the Terminators are just walking all around, first of all, um, I am very nice to my Google Home mm-hmm. because I know that when the robots take over, that my Google Home is going to vouch for me. Be like, hey, every time he asked for something, oh, yeah. he said thank you and he asked please. And, mm-hmm. you know, so maybe this human can live. Um, so maybe just off chance that Terminator happens and my Google home is like, Hey, don't worry. Just chill. Hang out. Mm-hmm. Have a good time. And yep. we're not really worried about you. It's you like, can cool. sit you on have nothing to be worried about. I'm going to sit here <laughs> and play video games. You can as sit on their as... counter and answer all their questions. Pretty much. Yeah. And mm-hmm. as long as, as long as I've got electricity to my house and running water, we're good. You just, I'm not going to try to rise up against you if you don't mm-hmm. try to kill me. Um, and yeah. along the same lines, matrix, like, this is presuming that I'm connected to the matrix, you know, mm-hmm. um, that doesn't sound so horrible. Yeah. Kind of it's, just playing a video game all the time. Yeah. Especially if you're aware of it, it's like, all right, cool. Well now I'll just play it more like grand theft auto than a, than a telltale <laughs> yeah. game, you know, mm-hmm. um, play it a little bit more fun and fast and loose. So anyway, like mm-hmm. those are kind of along the same lines. Like, look, if I'm going to die, I want to die quickly and I don't really want to try, you know? Um, yeah. So why not mm-hmm. take my chances with being nice to my Google home and, you know, for the Matrix, uh, what's so bad about living in The Sims? You know. Yep. My only other one, and you mentioned it briefly, but like, it, like I said, if I'm gonna die, I'm, it's gonna be interesting. So I'm, I'm trying to get uh, speared by somebody in Mad Max Fury Road, or oh, yeah, killed by a flame, flaming guitar. Yeah, absolutely. Never a dull that, day. I probably won't last many days, but never a dull day. That'd be a wicked way to go. You know. Yeah. Exactly. But I'm just think. I'm, I don't I'm want to be the blood bag, though. Right. I didn't answer Mad Max because I don't want to be the blood bag or I don't yeah, want to be, be 
I don't, there's always like some poor guy that just gets railed on in the beginning of yeah. these movies to show how vicious people are. Like in book of Eli, you know, there's always somebody that you see fall into a trap and then people just wreck their lives and they don't even kill them. They just like beat them and leave them on the side of a road. And it's just yeah. like not interested. You know, if, if, if it's me versus a Terminator, look, I'm, I'm dying immediately and that's yeah. fine. Um, they, yeah. you know, like, um, my strategy in dead by daylight when I play dead by daylight, um, is when they, when, when, when it's, I don't. So like, if you're unfamiliar with dead by daylight, it's an asymmetrical multiplayer online game. Um, that is, there's one killer versus four survivors and the killer is trying to hunt down the survivors before they complete objectives to escape this. Well, when the killer finds me, I'm not really good at running away. Mm-hmm. So I just kind of like, especially like, I'll try to run away once. Maybe um, I'm typically pretty unsuccessful though. So I just like, will try to communicate to the killer that, Hey, I'm not really trying. Like mm-hmm. I don't take this game that seriously. This it, it takes too much mental energy and, and, and emotional investment to then get mad, you know, that I'm bad at the game. So, you know what, let's just crouch a couple of times and not move and not let the killer. Maybe they're friendly. Maybe they're not. And half the time they they let me escape and half the mm-hmm. time they're like, no, I'm going for an achievement or whatever. So, you know, that's just kind of my approach to the. Yeah, <laughs> that's why I picked Terminator, because, you know, hey, maybe they're nice because mm-hmm. they listen to this podcast. And I'm like, hey, this guy's actually pretty cool with us. And mm-hmm. that's fine. And if not, at least my death will be quick. Mm-hmm. If for it's sure. also meaningful, like Cabin in the Woods, then great. But let me just die as fast as possible. Mm-hmm. That was depressing. Um <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about the spinoff. Maybe something less depressing in here. Uh, Jack, what is that one thing in any area of pop culture that you would like to tell everybody to check out or to stay away from? Got a review coming soon uh, for Doom Patrol, a show that I have been following since uh, it it came out back in uh, 2018, I think. And if you like Community, like I think I mentioned is my favorite show of all time. If you like Guardians of the Galaxy, if you like that kind of found family idea, I don't know, especially seasons one and seasons two. I don't know if you can find a better example of it on TV. Like they, they really understand these characters. They um, really let them do whatever they want. If you are concerned about superhero fatigue, this might be the one where I'm like, this is just so different and out of pocket and intentionally trying to do its own thing that um, I wouldn't worry about that too much. It is a very worthwhile show to put your or to put your time into. Um, that I highly recommend. Cool. Um, do you want to hear about a book or a video game? Uh, let's do book. Book. Um, I've been doing uh, audiobooks recently. So, mm-hmm. uh, as mentioned, so before I wound up doing Dune, I actually did an audiobook of a book that I don't own. So I was just listening to it like I would a podcast. Mm-hmm. And it's relatively new, and half of you aren't going to care, and half of you are going to be super invested. Um, mm-hmm. So, audiobook, book, whatever you want to do. Um, but, guys, please actually please get your hands on i'm glad my mom died by jeanette mccurdy Mm. um especially if you're listening to this pot to this podcast like we have only heard the surface of of children in hollywood being abused stories and i i think that jeanette mccurdy um who was on iCarly, if you're Mm. unfamiliar with her she was in a big role in that and child actor fame and um it didn't end so well. Um, but like the stories she tells about her mom being physically and emotionally abusive. And like, I finished that book and I told my wife's like, what'd you think of it? I'm like, I'm also glad her mom's dead. Like that's like, she was such a bad, like at Mm -hmm. the very least for ins, even if you're not like an iCarly person, like at the very least, just to hear the insights of what some of these children actors have to go through in Hollywood and how hopefully that's changed. 
Um, it was a really harrowing experience for me to listen to. And at times really freaked me out and mm-hmm. really made me uncomfortable and almost made me feel bad. Cause I Carly was a show that I kind of watched. I was like mm-hmm. high school when it came out. And um, so yeah. like, Either way, um, audiobook, ebook, book, whatever, e- even if you weren't an iCarly person, or if you look at the cover and you're like, oh, it's a girl, and that's a really like sadistic title. It is. Um, but especially, I think it's really worth a read. Um, mm-hmm. And maybe there's some of it that you can skip because some of it is about her experience in iCarly. You know, creator, you know, who we now know is a douchebag, and mm-hmm. um, some other things that are just more like, timeline things but at least if you read just the start of the book just the things that her mom did to her was just uh yep unspeakable so absolutely um Great you should thing. check it out that's a wrap uh remember that you can follow jack on a twitter letterboxd i'll have his letterboxd handle in the episode description um, thank you sir below. you can follow me on twitter letterboxd blue sky threads wherever i'm worth finding i don't really post much anywhere because i don't know just the collapse of twitter and the lack of like a single singular destination for us to all to go has kind of uh, made me just contemplate. It's not the same. No, it's just not the same. It's not like mm-hmm. I don't spend much time on any of those apps anymore because of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if I have something to say, I'll say it there. I'm also just, what do I have to say? Uh, especially mm-hmm. that's not said on this podcast. <laughs> but either way, you can still follow me. Uh, quick reminder, Sip Pop Writers Room is part of Studio DNA Network. You can check out other great shows at studiodna.media or by searching Studio DNA in your podcast player. If you're interested in writing for SifPop.com or you want to get in contact with the show, send us a question to explore during the B-plot, then email writersroom at SifPop.com. Please don't forget to leave us a review on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you're listening as long as that place has ratings. Um, ratings are great for us. Next week, Robert and I are talking about to- Tokyo Story. Almost said Toy Story. I think I've done that before. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tokyo Story, the 19... I think 53. Uh, either way, it's on HBO Max. Um, so you can check it out. Um, and come back then. And in two weeks, Mike and I will catch up on all the TV that I haven't been watching. Um, <laughs> so, but that'll be nice. Cause it'll kind of give me a chance. To, I was thinking about it the other day, actually. Cause I was like, I haven't really watched. I haven't seen any of this Loki. I haven't seen any of Ahsoka. Yeah. Um, behind as well. I didn't see the newest season of the Mandalorian. Mm. I still haven't started only murders in the buildings, but don't, don't you worry guys. I watched all of Shorzy season two in one day. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Anyway, just uh, um, really interested to see all the things that I'm missing out on and all the things that I am excited to check out um, because of that conversation with Mike. So two weeks, Mm -hmm. TV catch up with Mike. Next week, Tokyo Story with Robert. Thanks for hanging out, Jack. Yep. Thanks for having me. I'm happy that you enjoyed the movies that you saw for the first time and I'm happy you suggested them. We will have you on next schedule Um, by the time that, that this is out. You should hopefully have an invitation to get signed up so we'll see you back here sometime soon and um, listeners we'll see you back here next week all right later guys